Now it's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning, isn't it? So refreshing. Oh, good, good, good. It's like, I feel good. My chance to get back up here again. Didn't Pastor Tim do an incredible job last Sunday? I'm going to try to pick up where he left off, maybe even cover a little bit of where he went. Father, let's just pray together. Father, I just thank you for this already beautiful day that we've had. In fact, I just thank you for, for the weather we had. As I was looking out my office window this morning, just after I got light good, those gigantic snowflakes, it was such a beautiful, beautiful day. And then by the time I'm ready and driving to the church, the sun has come out and it's bright. And I just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> You're so, so good to us. I pray that you would be with us. I thank you for the first half of this service. And I just pray that you would have your way and your will be done this morning in this service. And I ask this in Jesus' name with everyone together. And everybody says, Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. It's like, um, one of the things I actually want to, Pastor Tim and I ended up having a, a quick lunch on Thursday that took about two, two and a half hours. And, and we went, and it, when we were having lunch at one of our local restaurants, there was a, um, a young lady, a server, that at some place we frequent, Indian Creek Steakhouse to be exact. And, <laughs> good place for lunch, yeah. And one of the servers just was absolutely highlighted. She is like usually a joyful, fun young lady that, you know, bounces around in there. And it's just like she came to our table and she was going to be the one that served us, that waited on us. Like, oh, awesome. It's like, and I just like looked in her face and said, are you okay? And she goes, I'm here. And so it's like, I'm here. It's like, oh. So looking across the table, talking to Pastor Tim as she walked away and brought us back, you know, some stuff, and I said, wow, she's, you know, definitely, she's highlighted because she's struggling, and uh, so after she came back to end up taking our order, said, so, it's like, obviously something's wrong, you are not your joyful self, is there uh, anything that we might be able to do to help, is there, and she's just like, she's kind of embarrassed because we've noticed that something is wrong now, it's like, I'm really good at making people feel uncomfortable, that's, that's my, my sweet spot. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thank you, Paul. Um, and so I then asked her, "Is uh, you know, like, what's going on?" She goes, ah, "I have this migraine headache that's just really struggling with a, a migraine headache." And I was like, "Okay, um, just kind of watch. Notice that you were actually maybe favoring one leg or foot a little bit or something. And she said, oh, sciatic nerve. So she's standing there. It's at lunch hour. Actually, we were at lunch during lunch hour. So, And I said, you know, this guy right across the table from me, I said, he has a healing ministry. You know, he's praising. I've seen people healed. Could we pray for you? And she said, yeah, I guess so. So she stopped right there, and he took a hand, and I took a hand, and, and we prayed over this young lady, and, and uh, she, she kind of giggled a little bit. She's like somewhat of a nervous, like uncomfortable giggle there a, a little bit, like, I don't know what to think about this, you know, it's like, 
And then she said, I said, well, well, what, well, how's your head? She goes, oh, well, yeah, it's better, but um, is it all gone? No, no, but I have to go. I, I have orders to take out. So she took off and started uh, doing what she did, and I says, well, if you have an opportunity to come back, we'll pray again. So, I don't know, five, ten minutes probably, she came back. She had a little break in the, in the, in the, in the mad rush, and she came back and said, okay, you know, you obviously were highlighted to us, and uh, cause, so I believe God wants to heal you. So we, we ended up praying for her again, but it had to be quick. I mean, she's waiting on people. So it had to be quick, and she goes, wow, wow, kind of a, kind of a wow. I said, well, she said, I feel it leaving. It's going up and leaving. So I said, well, is it completely gone? She said, you'll just have to come back tomorrow and find that out. <laughs> so, so definitely, and we left her a nice tip, we were definitely able to go, and even in our normal routine and our normal activities where we're going to end up having lunch, to have the opportunity to pray for, to bless somebody, to lift their day, see the pain go, see, see the pain go, and bless her with a good tip. So I just thought, you know, it's great to open with the testimony and, and talk about God's goodness, isn't it? It's like we all can do that kind of stuff. You don't have to be a pastor to be able to lift somebody's day. All right, well, I want to, uh, in kind of picking up where Pastor Tim uh, not exactly left off, we're going to a little bit of lap over here. I want to go to... Uh, Joshua 5.13. I still feel like this morning we'll be talking again about purity and holiness. I believe that that is such, uh, it's just, just keeps coming to me strong for where we are supposed to be, who we're supposed to be, and how we're supposed to be moving into 23. So um, Joshua, we're going to start with uh, verse 5, 13, and 14. Pastor Tim talked about this, but I just want to touch on this again. Uh, chapter 5, 13 and 14. Oh, and I forgot to tell whoever's up there, I'm in New Living Translation this morning. So that'll throw you a curve. Verse 13. Joshua approached the city of Jericho. He looked up, saw a man facing him with a sword in hand. Now you're saying, yeah, Pastor Tim already went through this. Yes, he did. I'm going to do it again. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you friend or foe? And he responded, No. It's like, I like that kind of answer. Are you for our side or are you for their side? It's like, No. I'm commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. I am at your command. What do, you, what do you want your servant to do? And the commander of the Lord's army replied, Well, first of all, take off your sandals. This is holy ground. As Pastor Tim made reference even to Moses prior. Same thing more or less happened, burning bush. But I, just thought, I, I was thinking, I remember having a conversation with my mother-in-law. Does everybody know who my mother-in-law is? 
Yeah, would you just stand up for just a second? My mother-in-law, you know who you are. Come on. <laughs> kind of hurt my feelings that you didn't want to admit that you were my mother-in-law, but uh, even made me lose my place. But uh, no, I, I used to. Uh, she and I were having a conversation, probably somewhere between fifteen and twenty years ago, that I still remember well. And she was talking about the Old Testament, and I said, I just don't really spend any of my time in the Old Testament. It's about Jesus and his life on earth here. I spend my time in the New Testament. She said, oh, you're missing out. And now I have to agree. I spent most of the last couple of weeks in Joshua. So we're going to be speaking, studying, teaching from Joshua this morning. And one of the things that, that is so, oh, so incredibly valuable and important to me as, as I really dig into. It's not just history saying that, you know, they could never be good enough. It's so much and so many of the, of the verses, chapters, and stories that are actually pointing to Jesus and pointing to the new covenant when you dig into it. And it's like, yeah, this is, this is so cool. To me, what did Jesus say? He said, I only do what I've seen my father do, only say what my father says, right? So what is the commander of the Lord's army does? He comes down and he says, I'm the commander of the Lord's army, and I'm here to tell you what the God of Israel has to say to you. He's like, no, I am not your protecting angel. I'm not the angel of war to lead you, to guide you. I'm here to say what Heavenly Father, what Father God has to say. So when I look at this from my perspective, it's like, wow, it's like representing Jesus on earth right now as he is speaking to Joshua on behalf of God. This makes sense already? It's like, yeah, wow. Man, this, it's almost like this was Jesus right here. And we are called to be... Him being the firstborn, you know, brothers and sisters following it up, Jesus being transformed, being conformed into his image to be doing exactly that. This make sense? Becoming his disciples by being the hands and feet of Jesus. Okay. He, he made it very clear that I am just here to convey the message of the Lord to you. Message of the Lord God. So we will move to chapter 6, verse 27. So, now we won't move there. We're going to talk about a little bit about, I, I think, what Pastor Tim, he, he laid such a great foundation of all of the detail that this angel of the Lord, uh, I say that, that was there speaking the details that God wanted Joshua to hear. Everybody say details. Yeah. And listening and hearing the details that God is speaking to us is so incredibly important that we pay attention to the details. He's like, I want you to do this and this and this and this and this, and then you will be successful. It's like, but from a common sense standpoint... It's like these guys are sword-yielding, wielding uh, warriors. 
But to hear, what I'm going to want you to do is march around and around, keep your mouth shut until the time is right. It's like, how much sense does that make? Like, none. None. It absolutely doesn't even make sense. Okay, we're to go over and do battle. But he said, that's why I want you to listen really closely. And this is going to be a test for you guys to see if you will do exactly what I tell you. And if you do exactly what I tell you, all of this land already is yours. This promised land is yours. But you have to be obedient, you have to listen to the details, and you have to follow through with everything I tell you, every single instruction. Can you do that? <laughs> close, close. So they had this incredible, this incredible battle, this incredible victory, and from what I read and what I understand, they didn't lose a single life. Not one single Israelite was killed in that battle. It's like, wow, complete, crazy, amazing victory. Something with fortified walls. Jericho has fallen in on itself. They have gone in, and, they, and one of the things they did do is they killed every single living, breathing person. Man, woman, and child. It's like, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But just as they were instructed, and they were instructed that all of the gold and all of the silver was going to go into the Lord's treasury, into the temple treasury. Right? More of the, of the instructions, specific instructions. And so they did. They, and they came off this incredible victory. And they were, oh, I just say, just imagine the momentum. It's like, wow, that worked. And that worked so good. Can you believe what just happened? It's like celebration time. And so it says then in verse 27, uh, 627, so the Lord was with Joshua, and his name became famous throughout the land. Oh. And how do we deal with fame? So what was his next step? The next step, we're getting ready for the battle of AI. Somebody tell me how you say that one. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <clears throat> Just like it's spelled. Okay, they're getting ready for the battle of Ai. And how does Joshua prepare for the battle of Ai? He sends a couple of spies. He said, all right, this is incredible. I'm famous now. We won this big victory. We have this incredible momentum. We're moving forward. We're taking the land just as God has instructed us to do. So I'm going to send a couple of spies, go out there, and how well did the spies work the first time? It's like, hmm. Anyway, I'm going to send a couple of spies out there, and uh, I want you to come back with a report. Well, the spies went out there. They came back with a report. Says, oh, man, this, this, this whole Jericho thing was so easy. You're not going to believe how easy this victory is going to be with AI. Said, this is not that big a place. Um, we don't need to take 30,000, 40,000. We just need to take two or 3,000 people, and this victory will be like nothing. So Joshua heard the reasoning of the spies that he sent out. He listened carefully and said, okay, yeah, awesome. You guys have checked it out. So he sent 3,000 people as soon as they got there, the, the warriors came out from AI and just absolutely kicked their tails. 
They turned and ran, turned tail and ran. So they have come back, tails between their legs, completely defeated, with 36 of them now dead. Everybody with me so far? So they've gone into their next battle with the momentum, with Joshua being famous already, and then what happened? Oh dear. So we're going to read next, um, go to chapter 7, beginning with verse 2. Israel was un uh, beginning with verse 1. Israel was unfaithful concerning the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan had stolen some of these things, so the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. Achan was the son of Carmi, from the family, and all of this stuff. Joshua sent some of his men, so Joshua had sent some of the men to, to, to check it out. He realized that it has now been pointed out to him. Sorry. It has now been pointed out to him as the men have come back to him, that something went horribly wrong. And so he has figured out, he has learned that there has been sin in the camp. Some items have been taken, some items have been stolen, and... I want to be reading the scripture instead of just telling you the story. So hang with me just for a second here. Okay, 7, 2, and 11 to come back. It's a small town. It's going to be easy. Yeah, keep going. We'll just read a little bit here. So approximately 3,000 of the men went. I've already told you the story, though, so I didn't really want to read that part. So we'll move to verse 10. The Lord said to Joshua, Joshua came back, and, and, uh, and his conversation with the Lord, Lord, what am I to say now that Israel has fled from its enemies? For when the Canaanites and all the other people living in this land hear about this, They'll come, they'll surround us, they'll wipe us off the face of the earth. And then what will happen to the honor of your great name? The Lord said to Joshua, get up. Quit laying around. You're laying on your face like this. Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen the things that I commanded to be set apart for me. They have not only stolen them, they've also lied about it, and hidden the things among their belongings. This is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. For now Israel has been set apart for destruction. I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. This is, where, this is the part that I should have been reading out of, out of uh, New King James. Because what it says there... And I have that. Would you bring me that Bible, Renee? I'm going to use both here for a little bit. There's parts that I really wanted out of, out of New Living Translation, and there's, you might just have to get up here and help me. <laughs> no. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
and how quickly we're there. Okay, well, here is the, the deal and, and, and the just jest of it. <clears throat> what God was saying is you cannot stand against your enemy if there is sin in your camp. You will not be able to stand against your enemy if there is sin in your camp. So, what we need to do is get that taken care of. We need to get to the bottom of it and get this dealt with. And so it was, it was found out that if, when, when, after they'd gone through a... Well, after they'd gone through a really long process of how to get to it and how to get that person... Have you ever ended up having, having to call all of your kids in and say, all right, now which one of you did it? And nobody wants to admit to it. That's kind of the process that they had to go through here. Bring each of the companies, each of them, until they finally got through and said, well, well, it was me. It was, it, it was Aiken. And he said, you know, I, I, I really messed up here. I know, I know I messed up. He said, uh, I saw these amazing things and I coveted them. So I stole them, and now I had to lie about it. So this is what I have done, and this is what caused Israel not to be able to stand before their enemy. That's number one. Probably that's number two. Number one was they didn't consult with the Lord, ask for any kind of details. They just says, okay, Common sense. We have incredible momentum. We're victorious here. We can do this. God's already given us the land, but forgot about all of the detail stuff and the, the obedience stuff. Uh, so, so, what happens next is they are taken out, every one of him and any one of his family that's related to him, kids, wife, and everyone, they're all stoned and burned. It's like, that seems excessive, huh? You know, I think part of the, part of the message in that is, is, you know, when we have crossed over or are crossing over into our promised land that God is calling us to, when, when we step into, into, into that obedience, there's a lot of things that we recognize that are pointed out to us that we recognize, Holy Spirit reveals to us, that we need to put to death. We need to crucify the flesh. We need to hang it on the cross, put it to death. I am dead to sin, alive to Christ. So when we put those things to death, another, another thing that I think it's casting as a, as a dark shadow into the, into the New Testament, here it was a physical. There were things that had to die. The price of sin was death. The price of sin continues to be death, but Jesus paid that price for us. So now we can, through the sacrifice that he made, be justified just as if I'd never sinned by the blood of Jesus. Okay. Um, so that, 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 that has been 
taken care of. Now, I want to go back and, and revisit some of what was supposed to be done. Now, everything that wasn't killed, anything of, of value was supposed to be given from that first victory, was supposed to be given over to the Lord for the treasury, for, for the temple, right? It was really clear. He, he gave that. So it's like, oh, wow. One of those things that casts a really, 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 really good shadow well into the New Testament is like first fruits. First big victory. What did they need to do? They needed to bring the spoils into the temple. All of it. It's like, oh. Look, in fact, let's move some of this into... Uh, let's go to... Malachi. I just want to read some. I, I believe that this is a really strong, strong lesson. I, I felt like there was a time in my life that I was quite victorious and writing on successes and writing on highs and not being faithful with what the Lord was requiring of me, and that being a full 10% on the upfront. And all of a sudden, I had a real really, really big defeat in my life. Ten percent of my money. Ten percent of my earnings. Ten percent of the blessing in my life. Ten percent of, basically, ten percent of the money that I was earning that he had given to me. Hey, this is not a question and answer thing here. This is like... <laughs> Get you up here with the microphone to help me out. Okay, 10%. Yes, 10% tithe. 10% of your income, of the first fruit of your income. I believe this victory was looking as a first fruit victory. So he required, I'm just going to fast forward a little bit. So God required the, the winnings, the bounty, the profit, all that they took from their first victory. He required all of that. To go into the temple. Okay, do we have that straight? I'm doing better. I'm doing better. So then he told them, after they got this sin out of their life, after they got these things straight, it's like another, uh, just another example of Old Testament to New Testament. God required repentance. You need, you need to take care of this. We need to address this. And then I'm going to tell you what's next for you. Does this make sense? Okay. So he, he goes on to tell them and to instruct them. Now go in, and he gave them specific instructions again as you just continue to read. You can read all 30 pages in, in Joshua, and uh, you'll be blessed. If you're looking for how it speaks into and is speaking about what's forthcoming in the New Testament. Okay. They are ready to go try this again. And the Lord is very much encouraging them. Say, yeah, be of good cheer. Be of... Where are we now? Must be chapter 8 by now. 
Are you there yet? Just barely. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you, not just two or three. Take everybody this time. I'm giving you the instructions this time. Arise, go up to Ai, see... I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. It's like, and you shall do all of the same thing to Ai, its king, as you did to Jericho and its king, only its spoil and its cattle you shall take as booty for yourselves. Lay an ambush for the city behind it. So he gave him all the instructions. It's just how I want you to do this, how this is going to work. It's going to be really simple, and you're not going to lose any more people this way. So another complete success when they were fully and totally completely obedient to all of the instruction of the Lord. And this time, after their tithe has been paid, they're going to be incredibly blessed. Does this make sense now? Okay. Now I want to go to, to, to Malachi and just, we're going to move to the very end of the Old Testament here. Malachi um, 3, 7 through 11. In fact, I'll start with verse 6. I'm the Lord, I do not change. That's why the descendants of Jacob are not already completely destroyed. Ever since the days of our ancestors, you've scorned my laws, you've failed to obey them. Now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how can we return to you? We've never gone away. Should people cheat God, yet you've cheated me? In uh, New, uh, New King James, it says, shall you steal from God? So, shall people cheat God, yet you've cheated me? You ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You cheated me of tithes and offerings due to me. You're under curse. You are under a curse for the whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord Almighty, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Let me prove it to you. Your crops will be abundant. I will guard them from insect and disease. Your grapes won't shrivel before they're ripe. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord Almighty. Like, that's a pretty good promise right there, isn't it? You know, there's a, now we're going to move to a, a, a New Testament, which... It's kind of a little, uh, just a trifle shocking there. Someone, when someone's lying to the Lord, cheating the Lord, making it seem one way when it actually is another. It's the story of Ananias and Sapphira, Acts 5, 3 through 5, which I'll tell you the story. They were, unless it pops up there. No. Then Peter we all know who, who Peter is. The Ananias and Sapphira had sold a piece of property. They had a little real estate. They sold some, and they brought the money in, pretending that they were bringing it all, kind of like, kind of like what just happened in, after the Jericho, after taking, taking from Jericho, put it at the disciples' feet, Peter hearing from Holy Spirit, recognizing 
You know, you just lied, you just cheated, you didn't bring all that you said that you were bringing, and because you have lied and cheated right here, cheated the Lord God, you're dead. And uh, his wife came in, only to find out she was ready to celebrate and find out, you know, get the pats on the back for what a great job, you people are awesome. Instead, your husband's been taken out dead and you're going next. It's like, oh, why was that? Because, you know, they would have been better off to keep their property, not to sell their property, or at least to be honest with their finances there. Instead, they, they, they lied and made themselves look good before the disciples, and they didn't end up looking good at all. Does this seem that God is speaking through this to anybody? It's like, uh, ouch, ouch, ouch. You know, you will notice that I have never gotten up here and, and spoken a lot about tithes or begged for money because Valley Church is very healthy financially. I am just establishing for you a truth and an expectation for the ABCs and foundation if you want to be blessed. There's a, I read a quote um, last night, actually. Converts make heaven, disciples make history. <laughs> Converts make heaven, disciples make history. Somebody named Robert Henderson. Uh, yeah, I found the name. Converts make heaven, disciples make history. How valuable and important it is that we become faithful, obedient disciples of Jesus Christ. Okay, we're going to go back to, to Joshua. I believe, if I am not completely, not only lost my... Yes. Chapter 11, 14, and 15. Yes. Chapter 11, 14, 15. And all the spoil... No. Good grief, Lynn, you are messing up like crazy. Have we already been? No, I hope you're laughing at me, not with me. Wait a minute. Because <laughs> I'm not laughing. <laughs> okay. So they took all of the stuff just as, just as they were told that they would be able to. Um, we're going to jump to 13. Now Joshua, he, he went through following the instructions of the Lord. They gathered much, 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 much spoil. Um, 
11, 14, and 15, all the spoil of these cities and the livestock the children of Israel took as booty for themselves, but they struck every man with the edge of the sword until they had destroyed them. They left none breathing. As the Lord had commanded Moses, his servant, so Moses commanded Joshua, so Joshua did. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord had commanded Moses. 13.1. I just want to make one more statement, though, before we move to 13. Joshua overcame 31 kings and kingdoms. It's like successful, one after another, boom, 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 because of his unquestionable obedience to the Lord in every detail as he heard the voice of the Lord. He followed it out, clearly followed the instructions in obedience. 31 kings, success, 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 after he straightened up after the first mistake. Now, in verse 13:1, now Joshua was old, advanced in years, and the Lord said to him, you're old. You're advanced in years. And there remains very much land yet to be possessed. It's like, okay. So Joshua was completely successful. And why? Obedience. Specific obedience. Careful obedience. Completely successful, and, and, and the Lord ended up speaking, as we, if we were to continue reading, the Lord spoke, I am now giving you the rest of this land. This is all land that's promised to you, but a lot of it is not yet settled, and part of this not being settled, not having Joshua go through and, and take every victory, take every land, was so the children of Israel next generation could learn how to fight, how to battle. So, it was handed over to them through Joshua. The Lord told Joshua, now I want you to take all of this land, if you continue reading, I want you to take all of this land and I want you to determine who gets which piece Give them the deed, give them the lot number, and all hand it over. Just survey it, hand it over, divide it up to the other nine. And when you hand that over, they need to take it for themselves. It's like, oh, them having to realize that it's now my responsibility to take my land that God has given me and how to learn to fight the battles myself. Instead of having someone else fight the battle, one leader fight the battle, now it's going to be each tribe fighting their own battles for the land that God has already promised to them. I was talking on the first when I was, when I was up here preaching on the, on the first of January, New Year's Day, about seeing a, like a vision of uh, a big race track that was a relay and all kinds of batons being handed off for the next group to, to, to run with. And it's like, wow, as I've gone back and studied more, it's like, you know, that's exactly what was happening here. Joshua, they're handing off the baton 
to the next generation for them to end up running their race knowing that they have the authority to do, to accomplish, because it's already been given to them, and it's promised that God would drive out the inhabitants of the land if they would just be faithful, if they would trust Him, it says trust, if they would believe His Word and receive the promise. kind of goes back to trust, believe, receive. But it's fight. You're going to have to go through and by my instruction. Like, oh, details, details, details. Okay, as we move on, get to Yeah. All the inhabitants will be I will drive them out before the children of Israel. You divide the lots up, it's an inheritance as I've commanded you. Now divide them, hand it out to the nine tribes and the half-tribe of Manasseh. So as we move into verse 23. God's making some more promises. So chapter 23, starting with verse 8. You shall hold fast... To the Lord your God, as you have done to this day, for the Lord has driven out them before you, great and strong. But as for you, no one has been able to stand against you to this day. One man, which we, so incredible if you are believing, one man to be able to chase off a thousand. One man of you shall chase a thousand. For the Lord your God is he who fights for you as he has promised you. It's like, turn to your neighbor and say, he fights for you. He fights for me. I just have to believe it. Trust him. It's like, you think it's changed? Do you think that he isn't still the one fighting for us today? If we can just believe it? It's that common sense thing that still messes us up. It's like, no, I don't think that would work. This would never work. Therefore, take diligent heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God. Or else, if indeed you do go back and cling to the remnant of these nations, these that remain among you, and make marriages with them, and go into them, and they to you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps to you, and scourges on your sides, and thorns in your eyes, until you perish from this good land which the Lord God has given you. You know, when we, when we think, I, I, this is... A place that's like, wow. Looking not only into the New Testament, but looking into the United States of America, the place in which we now live. Like the richest nation in the world, the most privileged people in the world. What an incredible gift has been given to us. It's like, and if, 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 we will just hang on to and cling on to what he's shown us, what he's given us, being faithful to all that he's taught us and the examples that he's shown us, we can end up 
taking back this land that has been promised to us, that's been given to us, this bountiful land that we live in. And it doesn't have to be a battle with the sword. It has to be a battle on our knees where we're listening, where we're hearing, and where we're not. <coughs> no compromises. No compromises. It's like, yeah, purity, purity. Twenty-four, fourteen, sixteen—is that where we? No. Twenty-four, fourteen. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Him in sincerity and truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river in Egypt. Serve the Lord. If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites, or in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. People answered, Far be it from me to want to do anything, to forsake the Lord, to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt and has set us free, basically. It's like... You know, it's, we have to be so, so careful. Our, our country, this country of ours, was established on the principles of the Bible. And those principles, in God we trust, is what has kept us free, is what's kept us safe, is what's kept us prosperous for these years that, that, that we've been here. It's trusting and believing in God and His goodness. Not beginning to embrace the things of this world. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Don't be conformed to the standards of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By hanging on to the promises of God, what He's given us, what He's shown us, by walking in the freedom that we enjoy, the spiritual freedoms and the freedoms, so many of which they're trying to take away from us now. It's like it's getting to be like, oh my goodness, when what? Uh, when they switched. From generation to generation, when the baton was passed, and they began to forget, and they began to change and embrace the idols and the other God-worshipping that was taking place in the world around them, instead of chasing it out, instead of killing it, is when they started to fall. When they were taken back into slavery, or they were serving other kings. It's like... We, folks, need to embrace what he's called us to. We are disciples of Christ. And that doesn't mean that we just sit quietly by while our rights are stolen or taken away from us. That does not mean that we embrace, that we embrace the beliefs that are being shoved down our throats. God owns it. 
He's given it to us, and he's telling us to occupy it. What does occupy mean? Take control. It's like, okay. Get wound up. I've got some more scriptures here. 24, 26. Joshua worked out, he, he got the people to, to say, yes, this is what we want, this is what we want, this is what he wrote up a covenant with the people, between the people and between God. And verse 26, 24, 26, Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, and he took a large stone and rolled it up under the oak tree that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. Like, when I saw this, I was like, are you kidding me? Oh my goodness, I'd never noticed this before. He rolled a really big rock up next to the sanctuary under the big oak tree so when the people saw that, they would remember this covenant that they have with the Lord. And I was like, oh my goodness, I fast-forwarded to, and what did Jesus say? Peter, this revelation that you have received, that I am the Son of God, was given to you by the Holy Spirit, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. It's like, oh my goodness. Joshua, who was finished out, was just ready to die, rolled in the big rock, set it up right next to the temple, and Jesus said, on this rock I'll build my church. My church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Have you ever seen that before? You have. It's like, right next to the Old Testament temple... There's a, a, a conversation that has taken place, some, a covenant that has been written. Jesus came and fulfilled that covenant, and that rock is the establishment of that covenant, which says, man, common knowledge, knowledge of man hasn't shown this to you. This was the revelation of who Jesus Christ would be upon his coming and how and who his church would be. Is that not awesome Old Testament stuff right there? Then when I, the other, as I think of baton passing, what Jesus then said is in Matthew 28, 18, where he says, Go making disciples of all nations. So the baton is passed as it was from the, the children of Israel to the next generation. The baton is passed as from Joshua to, to, to them. It's like Jesus passing now. He's raised up 12 disciples. The baton is passed and the baton is passing again where Jesus says, go, 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 go. All authority has been given to me. I give it to you. Now go. The thing that I, that I 
want to go back to is where it says, with sin in your life, in the camp, which would be, you know, we, we, we now, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So in your house, in your house, that's what purity and holiness. We have to stand in purity and holiness. When they were ready to fight the next battle, even before they went into AI, he says, go now, consecrate, purify yourselves, for tomorrow you go into battle. So I really believe that, that God is calling us to, through his spirit, through that rock on which his church was built, which was the revelation of the knowledge of Jesus Christ and who he is, it's not through the laws in the old temple, but through Jesus Christ. It's like, wants us before him to be pure and holy so we can stand against the enemy, be successful and victorious over that enemy. Does this make sense? So this morning... I believe he's, he, he's speaking to us and saying, this is the time, this is the place, this is the hour for my people to step up again and do some self-examining as he speaks to us and through us. Number one, so it's like, we can have no other gods before him. He is a selfish, it's not selfish, a jealous, a jealous God. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and anything you need, it will be added to you. It's like, that's what, he was, that's what he was saying to them back then. It's like, oh, you went off on your own. You thought about it. You decided you were riding a high victory. You were famous for a little while until you tripped and fell and bumped your head really hard. He says, now I want you to clean yourselves up, which means, I was preaching last night, like stepping into Jesus. He says, I'm, I'm into you. I'm in you. You're in me. When we have perfect union, I'm already come into you. As soon as you opened the door, I came in. Now it's you need to submit, step into me, and let me completely clean you up. And together, we will win every single victory. Let's stand together. Father, I just thank you that you have called us out to be a separate people, a special people. I remember when, when Christy Lynn, when I was raising her and I told her, you know, you're special, you're special. And she, I remember her saying at about 14 years old, but dad, I don't care to be special right now. 
I want to do what my friends are doing. It's like, no, no, no. You're not going to go back to that. You're special. You're set apart. And I believe this morning, that's what we're hearing. It's like, we are special. We are set apart. He's called us out to be his disciples. So let's just put our hands out to receive. Father, I, I thank you. I thank you. You are a good, good father. And you want to equip us with everything we need to accomplish, to be successful, to win every battle that you lead us into. That you lead us into. We don't want to go pick, fight, and choose our battles. We don't no longer want to use the worldly sense, our common sense, Father, but we want to be led by you, by your Holy Spirit. Guide us, direct us, convict us, show us anything that is in us that the enemy can use against us that will keep us from standing successfully against him. Show us. Show us this morning and give us as we come before you, say, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit, come, wash, cleanse, wash, cleanse, remove, receive, and pour your Spirit out on each one of us this morning. Fill us, fill us, fill us to overflowing with your goodness, fill us to overflowing with your love, fill us to overflowing with your peace that peace that surpasses all understanding because you love your children. And we will give you thanks, we will give you praise, and we will follow your leading. We give you thanks and praise right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.